Welcome, everyone, to the Most Accurate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. As usual, Chris, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm happy to get a chance to... I didn't get a chance to do this episode last year, so being able to hang out with you guys and do this with Andy Barons, uh, I mean, this is, should be a fun episode for the folks. So, yeah, excited. Jen, how you doing? I'm good. You guys know I love a I love a good airing of grievances, so I'm on board. I'm ready. That to, is your weekly bit, so yes. Ready this to is bit a, complain. Yeah. It is normally my weekly bit, but now we've made it into a full podcast, so I am super psyched. Uh, Brandon, you? I'm doing good. I am... Uh, recording from vacation right now i'm on the floor i could not find a table so this is uh where i'm going but i appreciate everyone's time uh as chris mentioned we're lucky to be joined by andy barons today uh this is our second annual fantasy festivus uh episode where we're airing our fantasy grievances uh you can find andy on twitter at andy barons and check out his fantastic work at yahoo sports uh, he's the president of the Fantasy Sports Writers Association. You can listen to him regularly on the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. How you doing today? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. It's you know it's year two of the NFL's Justin Fields era. You can you can feel the buzz here in Chicago. I'm I'm excited. Everyone's excited. <laughs> and if you want to draft Justin Fields in your uh, underdog league this year, folks, uh, get in on some early best ball action. We have a promo going on right now. You deposit $10 in a new underdog account. Enter 4 for 4. That's 4 F-O-R-4 in the promo code box. You get a deposit match plus a 4 for 4 pro subscription. It's a great deal. Uh, before we get into our grievances, Andy, I, because you're a Bears fan, I, I got to ask you a couple things about the Bears. The first thing, uh, what do you think of this new coaching staff? It was uh, much maligned, the previous coaching staff. We've got a new era coming in. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I see you're trying to head off some of the grievances that you know I'm going to have. Um, I, You know, the, the, Bears, the Bears made some hires that, like, ostensibly, there's just, there's nothing to be upset about, right? Like, um, Eberflus is, uh, like, the resume's fine, right? He's never been a head coach before. Like, they everybody who's in a key position has not done this before. So I, it's not like I have years to look back on and say, Oh, this guy, this guy has mismanaged clocks for five years. This guy has, you know, uh, is a, is a coward on fourth down. Like, I don't know. I, we don't know what they're going to be like. Um, we, I, I like Luke Getze's background. Uh, it, it's from green Bay. How much of that was actually the coach and, and how much of that was the quarterback? You know, that's an open question. I, you know, the, defensively, everybody's coming from Indy and that that's been a, you know, there's a pretty good story to tell with the Colts defense over the last few years. Do I, do I wish it hadn't completely collapsed against Jacksonville of all teams when they needed a win most last year? I guess so. But, um, you, you know, like in terms of resume, everybody looks good. Nobody's embarrassed themselves yet in press conferences. It's mostly the on-field talent that uh, that worries me. Yes. Well, and not guaranteed either in, in Chicago or elsewhere. <laughs> uh, I'm excited for this new era. I hope they get Justin Fields some help. One of the guys that we're going to count on to be helping Justin Fields is uh, coming off a breakout season, uh, Darnell Mooney. He uh, costs you a sixth-round pick right now on underdog. He's the wide receiver 31. I wanted to ask you, uh, as a Bears fan, are you buying Darnell Mooney at ADP? feels honestly that feels a little high to me um like i think Darm i think darnell mooney's gonna be good um he's he's already a very good player i do tend to think of him as one of those guys that like almost every great team has a darnell mooney like player in a supporting role um it is a little bit weird for him to be to you know for darnell mooney to be the wide receiver one in any offense that's that's probably 
not an ideal receiving core if that's the situation you're in. Um, he's, I mean, he's guaranteed targets. I, I don't know about the quality of those targets. I don't know how much time Justin Fields is going to have to throw. Like the Bears are going to roll out potentially the worst offensive line in the league. And it's going to be an O-line that probably has to start some rookie fifth and sixth rounders. Um, it's it's going to be rough. Um, but so that that feels like I don't I don't know how much better Darnell Mooney can be than delivering sixth round value. Right. Like, I don't I don't think there's a lot of profit there, but, I, you know, I don't I don't want to I don't I also don't want to say discouraging things about one of the few guys who's like actually in the conversation to score the bears lone offensive touchdown each week. Like he's one of the only guys that I have that I have any hope in at all. So I don't want to, I don't want to hit you with a whole bunch of pessimism about him either. I still, how likely do you think it is that I'm going to get my wish of a Darnell Mooney hosted late night radio show called over the Mooney, where he uh, provides <laughs> dating advice to people in the Chicago area. Cause that's what I want. That's what I want from this season. <laughs> hey, listen, if he, you know, the one one of the great things about Chicago as a sports city is if you just give this town like two good years, um, you, you're there's a there's a radio job for you forever. You know, you can you can endorse use cars or pizza or whatever, like for the rest of time. You're going to be showing up at like Bears conventions, Cubs conventions, all that stuff for for generations. So it, he's he's got he's got one really good season already under his belt. He only needs a couple more and he's going to have a job for life around here. Awesome. I'll remain hopeful. I'll remain hopeful. Uh, let's <laughs> let's get into our our fantasy festivus, our grievances that we air. We had a blast doing this last year. Jen and Andy and I were excited to have Chris join in on us. Uh, let's start with our last season grievances. Last season grievances, this is going to be a typical format to what we did last year where we have categories for our grievances. Uh, Andy, what uh, was the most thing that you wanted to complain about that happened last season? I want to I want to take you back to last summer. Um, not even not even last season. I'm talking last preseason, um, and I want to give a special shout out to the beat writers in San Francisco and Cincinnati who misled us on Brandon Ayuk. Tracer, like, could one guy, could one of you, could could just one of you have said, oh, by the way, you know, I don't know that Brandon Ayuk is going to see the field in September. Oh, by the way. Um, I, I don't know that Trey Sermon is ever going to see the football because um, that would have helped like one person suggesting that uh, either of those things was was actually happening. I get it. You were all focused on Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, but just like a quick little heads up on, hey, Trey Sermon isn't any good would have been so <laughs> that that would have been so valuable. I only needed one, like I only needed one little, one little news and note item. I didn't need, I didn't need, you know, endless stories. I just needed somebody to give me a quick little heads up. And then uh, I, I think everyone remembers, like, I, I feel like as fantasy analysts, we all do this. If like you condition yourself to ignore the, the hype on players in the, in the summer and during camp, but like your ears prick up a little bit when you hear negative information and um, the, the neck, like the negative hype was flowing on Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase for several weeks there. And like um, that, that, you know, that was a bummer. Like there, some of us, you know, Jamar Chase can't catch, but he forgot how to catch. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't couldn't catch. Um, they weren't impressed by um, his separation ability. Uh, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, who basically rewrote the record book for rookie receivers and was instantly a, a top three NFL wide receiver. Um, he couldn't catch in the in the summer, and I didn't need to hear any of that. But like, I'm I'm vulnerable to it. Like, if you're a beat writer who's going to give me like some actual negative stories, I'm 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 like, oh, that means something. Um, with Burrow and Chase, it clearly did not. 
Yeah, I think Ayuk burned a ton of people. I think a lot of people were expecting big things from Ayuk last year. Just killed me. <laughs> that feels Jen. like one that had to be apparent in camp. Like somebody must have seen something and it just never, yeah. never, mm-hmm. it never made it. It never filtered down to me. I'll tell you that. After Dante Pettis and now Ayuk, like I don't know if I'm ever going to trust uh, a second year 49ers <laughs> receiver again. Yeah, if the trend holds, then Brandon Ayuk is one year away from being a Chicago Bear. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to flounder in New York for a minute. Jen, uh, <laughs> what's your fantasy grievance from last year? I'd like to talk about the Aaron Rodgers drama from last year. That that really got me. Okay, so we start the offseason with whether or not he's even going to play, right? Which was great for his ADP. I mean, a lot of us scooped him up super cheap, and then, of course, he played. Then we have him get COVID in week nine, right? He tests positive, super vague about the whole vaccination thing. The Joe Rogan, Ivermectin, all of that. Then we get the toe drama, right? His toe, is it whatever was wrong with his toe? We get pictures of his toe. And then at the end of the day, the guy's the freaking MVP of the season. He finishes with a passer rating of 111.9. He's got a 68.9% completion rating. Like, he leads Green Bay to 13-3 and record. He was QB6 in fantasy points per game. Like, just so annoyed. Just annoyed at Aaron Rodgers in general from last season. There was so much drama for nothing. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much my, uh, <laughs> that's it for me, for him. And just, you know, and it, it, it like is spilling over into this year. It's like, do I want to even deal with this guy again? And it turns out, and you know, from a personal point of view, like it turns out he's a huge douchebag and I liked him before. So I'm kind of bummed about that too. Yeah. Is he single this year? Cause that, you said that's a key factor for Aaron Rodgers. It is a key factor. And I believe he is single, which is good for his, uh, well, okay. you know, that used to be the factor, but he went into <laughs> last year engaged and he still got the MVP. So I, I don't even know what to make of that anymore. Of the, the sexless, <laughs> the sexless Aaron Rodgers versus the non-sexless. I, I don't know. <laughs> but that's TBD. The subreddit there is whether married Aaron Rodgers is sexless or not. Like which one is right. the sexless Aaron well, Rodgers? Right. That's, is that's, that now a yeah. stat? Like we have to, that like was, we have to track that throughout the year. It was, but at this point, I don't even know. <laughs> There's an app for it, Chris. There's an app. It's, oh, it's okay. Aaron Rodgers' sex life. It's an app right. that tracks it, updates in real life on on a. On Did a Aaron to sex. Sam Hoppin? Yeah. Send it out to Sam Hoppin and like have him start tracking that throughout this. Oh, season. Sam could definitely yeah. create a tool for that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Chris. What's your fantasy grievance from last year? I guess I'm I really don't understand what the Arizona Cardinals are doing, like from a team building perspective. And with all the stuff that's going on around Kyler Murray, his contract extension and just the I don't know. I don't know if there's when there's smoke, there's fire, if there's something to it. I don't think he's going to wind up leaving and going to play baseball just because the amount of money that he could potentially make as a quarterback in the NFL. But it's just if you were to look around at his supporting cast and just what the Cardinals have done, it's like what? what are we doing guys? Like what, what is, I mean, just look at the wide receiver group that they currently have right now. I mean, they have, I think what, six to 7 million tied up in Deandre Hopkins. Who's going to be suspended for six games. They got about 1.5 million wrapped up in a 34 year old AJ green, like my AJ green, like look at, look at my shirt. Like my AJ green <laughs> is, is tied up like down there, like 1.5 million to him. And those guys are like, 30 34 years old like deandre hopkins will be 30 years old by the time the season starts aj green is 34 years old and then now at the complete opposite end of the spectrum they trade a first this year for marquise brown 24 years old okay fine after that what was uh antoine wesley was a fifth rounder sixth rounder from last year also like 23 22 years old and then Rondell you're going Moore. deeper than i do on arizona already you're yeah like rondell wesley, moore who had an average depth of target of 1.2 yards last year so it's like, what are we doing? Like, ju- that's just the wide receivers. Like, let's not even get into the contracts that they're trying to like, rework on the defensive side. 
and like what like what is the team building aspect of like what is this offense going to look like even if they are going to now wind up paying kyler murray if they're already i think they were bottom three in terms of cap space i think bottom 10 in terms of effective cap space and that's just for this year what are the expectations for this team like moving forward like what is how is this offense expected to evolve and if we already have concerns over what cliff kingsbury is as a as a head coach Right. The expectation is, oh, it's going to be air raid, pass, pass, pass. And we're going to do all these like, nice, cool things. And they floundered every year. Like so far, is this experiment actually going to work out? Like, I think that Kyler and Cliff, they're tied together at the hip. But is this going to be an offense? I think it's always going to be an offense that we're going to want to invest in from a fantasy sense. But Arizona Cardinals fans. I don't know if this is a team that's ever going to take you to the promised land at this point, especially with the way that they've built this thing financially. It just, I don't know if they'll ever have enough pieces in the right place at the right time for them to make a deep playoff run. They just could wind up being just the Dallas Cowboys, like 2.0, like what we've seen over the past couple of years from Dallas, where just they'll, they'll get into the playoffs. Sure. But a deep run. I, I don't know if they'll ever get there at this point. And it's sad for a guy like Kyler Murray that we think is just one of these, like one of the guys, at, at quarterback and they just might never make it hardcore skepticism on arizona from chris andy are you more bullish on uh, what arizona is doing from a team building perspective no uh i don't know how anybody can be bullish about it i i like i'm sitting here i wondering i haven't given this a lot of consideration the cardinals are a super interesting team but I, I don't know how on the hot seat kingsbury is but he but he should be it, he shouldn't be totally comfortable right it's not a it's not a you know for all the hype about the offense coming in it's not a particularly interesting offense they don't do a lot of fun things with deandre um it like it could be bad in a hurry and if they you know they they ended you know last season they, they basically crash landed after um a really interesting start to the year and we legitimately had reason to think that the Cardinals might be something. And by the end of the year, like, I, I mean, you know, you can't beat the lions. You can't beat anybody. Um, that was, that was really bad. And they can't, you know, they can't start slow. I feel like if they start slow, why wouldn't Kingsbury, uh, why wouldn't his job be at risk? Uh, hard to argue with that. Uh, I'm just saying Kyler Murray, when he was drafted, said his favorite movie was Gatsby. So we had, we had <laughs> things to be concerned about from the jump. There were things to be to worry about. <laughs> I'm going to follow up uh, on Andy's concerns with San Francisco. My my grievance from last year, Kyle Shanahan and that running back roulette. Like Trey Sermon, I, we didn't know he would be this bad. We we didn't know he stunk. I, the beat writer should have helped us, as Andy said. And and Kyle needs to understand that, that fantasy football uh, managers like us are the most important thing about football. Like I feel it's almost like Kyle Shanahan doesn't even consider me with the decisions that he makes. And uh, I'm going to go into this season now excited about Elijah Mitchell. And then week five, Tyrion Davis price is going to have three touchdowns and 20 plus carries. And I'm going to be like, what are you doing, Kyle? And it's going to continue to be the case <laughs> for me. So, but we already hashed out San Francisco a little bit. Let's go on to our favorite team grievances. This is a little less fantasy focused, but it's important. We all have a different favorite team sort of. Uh, Jen and I have some some uh, crossover with the Dolphins here. But Andy, let's start with your beloved Bears. Uh, favorite team grievance? Uh, yeah, wow. I, I have a lot of grievances to to choose from here. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna remind people. Maybe, maybe you don't need this reminder. I certainly don't need this reminder of of the 
utter disaster that it was when Justin Fields did um, finally see game action last year and how little changed from the, the game plans that were, that were implemented for Andy Dalton. Like you can't find two more dissimilar quarterbacks in terms of what they do well in the NFL than Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. Um, and the, the Bears coaching staff last season treated this as if it was just like a one for one replacement. Right. Um, and, and just what, a, what an absolutely disappointing waste of a, of a, of a first season for fields. Um, they, they did nothing like what are the things that would really help a, a first year quarterback who has a terrible offensive line in front of him? Like they, I don't think they threw a screen pass in his first game, right? Like they didn't, they didn't get anything quick and easy and simple for him. It was a lot of like slow developing stuff downfield that never had a shot with that offensive line, no matter who your quarterback is. No designed runs for him uh, in his in his debut. I mean, it was just an absolute disaster. And I'd been someone who was a who was a pretty big apologist for Nagy for a long time because I thought that um, some of, you know, again, not everything, Nagy's play calling was never great, but I used to think, well, okay, some, some of the reason that we hate these play calls, especially when we get in the red zone, um, some of the reason is that he simply doesn't trust Mitch Trubisky, who he should not trust. Um, and, and I, you know, I used to, I used to lob that excuse out there for him, but there was just once last year happened and once they treated Justin Fields as if he was just a lesser version of Andy Dalton, um, I, I had no defense for him. I mean, that was just, it was, it was just an abomination. He's doing a five-step drop. They didn't even roll him out. They didn't even roll him out. <laughs> 18 screen passes, if I remember correctly. 18 total for Justin Fields. Total. Aaron yeah. Rodgers had about just short of 90. Think about that. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, Jen, um, I, I don't know if you're going to have to say what I do, and it's okay. We could just piggyback if it is. But uh, what's your grievance about our Miami Dolphins? You know, um, actually, uh, you're going to kill me here, but I'm going to go rogue. And I'm because I honestly, like, I sat here to think about it. I'm like, okay, so I grew up a Dolphin fan. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of morphed into, into a Bronco fan because I've lived here for 25 years. And then, like, li being in this industry, I kind of, have like my fandom has kind of taken a backseat anyway. Like I just, I find myself not really rooting for anybody anymore. So um, I'm going to throw it all aside and just remind everyone that my alma mater won the national championship in, uh, in college. <laughs> <laughs> of course you had to stick that in. Yeah, you know. that reminder is go bold. Well, Let the record show that my alma mater won the big 10 West. There's that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. yeah, listen, that, that is where my fandom lies way deeper than any NFL team. So I just had to throw it out there that, uh, yeah. So and I figured I'd let you, I'd let you handle the dolphins. And honestly, the Broncos, I don't really have a ton of grievances this off season because they actually got a quarterback for the first time. So, you know, in a while, so the grievances are small. So that's why I figured I'd, I'd, I'd abstain and go rogue a little bit. <laughs> Jed brings the positivity on the, on the, on the fantasy. How about festival, that? So. Right. You never saw yeah. that one coming, did you? <laughs> no, that's a, that's a twist. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, uh, not a lot to complain about with the Bengals after this past season, but uh, what you got? No, I think my only grievance was that almost like what Andy was talking about earlier, that if the beat reporters could have at least given us some sort of indication that they were going to come out playing so slow and like less aggressive, because if we think about what Joe Burrow was in those 10 games during his rookie season, I mean, he was firing the ball out there like almost every single game. I think he was averaging somewhere between like 37, 38, like attempts per game. Pass rate over expectation was through the roof. Like when he when it was just his rookie season, and now they add Jamar Chase. I mean, they are talking about over the, over the off season, which they do every off season. But Joe Mixon getting involved in the passing game. I mean, all these things 
that we were supposed to get hyped about that a passing game for. And for the first few weeks, they were dead last in pass rate over expectation. I mean, it was just like so demoralizing. I think it was good to see because I think they came out at least with two, a couple of wins like early on and it was okay, like doing decent in the division. So as a football fan, I was happy. But as a fantasy football fan, especially for all the shares of Tyler Boyd that I was holding on to and left holding the bag on, it was I was expecting more of this aggressive offense, this like voluminous offense. And we didn't really get that until the back end of the season. Now, they ended up top six, top seven in passer over expectations. So that's good to see that they actually started to incorporate more or add more to his plate throughout the season. But to see such a slow start, it was just like, oh, my gosh, like, guys, like if you have arguably one of the best duos or trios or pass catching trios in the entire league, use them, please. But hopefully this season we'll see more of Tyler Boyd being incorporated into the offense on top of like Chase and Higgins. But man, it was brutal for like the first month or so. Boyd pretty much free right now. You guys buying Boyd? Yeah, I well, I have to at this point. I think you're like you're <laughs> obligated as a Cincinnati fan to draft at least one of them. Yeah. I kind of I mean, forgot about Boyd, actually. I'm yeah. glad that we've had this little reminder. I haven't he hasn't really really been on my radar where he should be in, in you know at the end of underdog drafts, but I might have to start throwing him in the mix. Mm-hmm. Ninth-ish round pick, if I'm remembering correctly, somewhere in that range yeah, on underdog. Yeah. I gotta I gotta say, I feel like Generally, we haven't spent enough. Maybe, maybe you guys have. Maybe four for four has. Generally, in the fantasy space, I don't. I don't think that we've done enough talking about what a what an off season winner Joe Burrow has been. Because, you know, we get like guys get buzzy because they add skill players to the offense, right? But they, I mean, they've. This is the quarterback who led the NFL in time sacked last year, right? And that as great as he was, as great as the offense was, how many how many drives ended um, because they couldn't keep him clean? They've built a wall around him this off season. Um, it, it's tr- like Joe Burrow, if you play 17 games, is going to cruise past 5,000 passing yards. It seems like it. I, I hard that, that like old school football guy in me loves what they did adding. I think they added three new starters on the line. Just absolutely fantastic. Um, He's pricey though. It's not like Burrow's cheap. He is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he will, he will, he should be one of those guys. We were talking uh, last week or something along those lines. The stat of the week was uh, talking about how uh, the dual threat quarterbacks aren't dominating the top 10. Uh, last year, like they typically have, and Burrow should be right up there again if, if he keeps that pace. Um, I agree with Andy. Uh, I just want everyone to stop hating on Tua Tagovailoa. Like I understand he's not great yet. I understand he might he might stink uh, long term, but his career trajectory so far isn't any worse than like Jimmy Garoppolo's was. Like he's hurt and he's winning games and he's not putting up big fantasy numbers. But people talk about him like he's trash, and I just want people to just settle down and, and give him a year or two, give him a little bit of time. Uh, that's not super strange and stop holding it up to Justin Herbert expectations. That's all I'm going to say. So. <laughs> so where are look? So where'd you get your two and on tattoo, Brandon? I had to, I have to ask <laughs> where, where is yeah, it? Where is it at? So I just got a jaws tattoo on my, uh, on, on the inside of my lower leg. I'm going to put the two and on uh, tattoo under that. That's what it's gotcha. Okay. <laughs> all right. Just making sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, bonus mid-segment or uh, meta-segment for this grievances. Uh, fool me twice, which is something we play every once in a while. Somebody that we're not going back to the well for. Somebody that we uh, drafted a lot of last year kind of let us down and we're we're not going to do it again. Uh, so, Andy, who did you go to bat for a year ago that you're not going back to this year? Yeah, listen, I'm looking at the show rundown right now and I can see that I'm the only person who is actually going to take a potentially good player on this list. Um, so the rest of you are the rest of you are cowards. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm going to have a difficult time going back to Trey Lance. Um, 
because I was a huge believer last year. This is, I really have a lot of Niners grievance that I that I didn't realize sort of pent up. <laughs> um, Trey, Trey Lance was a player that not only did the Niners um, swap their first round pick last year, they, they traded a 2022 first round pick. They traded a 2023 first round pick. He barely played um, two starts. I think he I think he received couldn't couldn't play over an injured Jimmy Garoppolo at the end of the season. There's no way that was the plan. Like when when we got a little offseason buzz this year about how oh man, there's there's scuttlebutt that Trey Lance has been under what yeah he's been underwhelming if he if he'd been overwhelming he would have he would have played last year they clearly would have played him um I, so he he's he's I did the thing last year where you're like oh I'm gonna draft Trey Lance late and I'll just take a sort of middling sketchy starter in a bunch of leagues and Trey Lance is gonna take over in week three and I'll be dominant and obviously that never happened I had a keeper league in which I held Trey Lance all season, basically until December, until I had to drop him for Kendall Blanton because I had a because I had oh I, I, I was the Tyler Higby COVID like talk about maximizing value on your sixth round or seventh round pick or whatever the hell he was. Anyway, like if Trey Lance is a huge success story this year, it will not be on my rosters. <laughs> and you got to pay for him. You got to pay for him again. It's the quarterback yeah. nine or something like that as yeah. right now on UD. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's way up. Yeah, I won't be drafting Trey Lance. I'm with you there. Um, and you're right. We're all cowards. You're you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. You know what? Yeah, I, how about I, you? Well, I will say first of all, we're not all cowards. We've just done this segment already a couple times, so we've already used the good guys. <laughs> that, that's uh, yeah. okay. Okay, that's, that's my fair. that's my story. Because I I've have already... to confess, when we did it before Jed, I was still a coward. I, I have to confess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? Because I think I did. I think I did AJ Brown. I think I did TJ Hawkinson. Like that's more good. legit. Yeah, that, those were spicy. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are some spicy. Okay, ones, yeah. but this time I, I am going a little bit. But listen, Jamal Williams, he absolutely crushed me last year. I went in thinking, okay, there's no on Johnson. There's no Adrian Peterson. There was 239 touches up for grabs. And DeAndre Swift was kind of hurt. So I was like, all right, this is Jamal Williams all day. And he had a couple decent games. I mean, he ended up, I think, RB46 and half PPR points per game at the end of the day. But um, he he crushed me in best ball, in redraft, all over the place. So uh, I am not taking him this year. I just can't stomach it. So we kind of address, I, I, I agree with you on Jamal Williams. I, I noticing Chris's pick is kind of a callback to what we already talked about, Chris. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just struggling to see how Tyler Boyd continues to be at least a fantasy relevant. Now, I think real life, like tactically on the field, like he will still be relevant to the Bengals. I mean, heck, just look at, even if you do want to like call back that touchdown he had in the, uh, in the Raiders game in the playoffs, like, okay, fine. But you can see his, like his necessity to the team. But necessity to my fantasy team i don't know if i'm going to have a ton of him for for this season and if you look at the guys he's currently being drafted around right now over on underdog i think he's in like the wide receiver let's say like 50s 55 like somewhere in there like chase claypool Kadarius tony are going shortly before him and like the tony like drama around him if he's on the field for 17 games i'd rather take Kadarius tony at least at this point kenny galladay michael hardman tim patrick going behind him i'd probably take some shots on those guys too just thinking about target target competition touchdown equity the offenses they're attached to i could take you know i might take a stab on one of those guys so unless we can at least i don't know hear some narratives about him being a larger part of the offense because it really was t higgins jamar chase at 20 plus percent target share and then boyd was at what 16 17 percent somewhere in that range when we all expected it to just be like, you know, 
like almost split even between the three, maybe Tyler Boyd at 21, 22%. So if I'm hearing more about him being involved in the offense, okay, fine. Like I'll probably just get suckered right back into him at like this year again anyway. But until then, I'll probably take my shots on the other guys that are currently going around him. I'm probably out for this year. Makes sense. Makes sense. I, I've seen him last a little longer than his uh, average ADP is, so I'm snatching him when he's there in the 11th. But you're right. I won't take him uh, over those other guys that you mentioned. Uh, somebody who I have to confess I said I'm out on when I wrote this, and then yesterday I just took him. But <laughs> it's <laughs> Coward. <laughs> it's, uh, Corey Davis, I was all in on last year. I didn't love the Jets offense. I just thought he was going to get 140 targets, and I thought I thought they'd be throwing all year. And I thought Zach Wilson would get, you know, 20 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. And I thought Corey Davis would eat and, and uh, just, you know, he was banged up. And when he wasn't banged up, the Jets offense was so anemic and Zach Wilson struggled so much that he just didn't produce uh, even at his kind of discount ADP that he was going for last year. Now he's back in like the ninth round area and I just took him and I'm disgusted with myself. I don't know why I did this yesterday. I took him in the ninth in the ninth round, uh, but yeah, I you know now they come in. They've got Garrett Wilson there. Uh, Elijah Moore really came on last year. I think he's going to get plenty of targets. I feel like the uh, the, the Garrett Wilson targets are probably going to come mostly out of what would have been Corey Davis's pie, and less out of what Elijah Moore's pie were going to be. So I'm out. I'm out on Corey Davis, except apparently I'm not. <laughs> All right, so fool me twice. Let's uh, let's go into our post-free agency. I, I've got two more uh, fantasy grievances sections, and then we'll try to get Jen out of here because she's got uh, stuff to do today. She's a very busy woman. Uh, post-free agency trade season grievances. Andy, uh, after all the mess that happened this offseason, because it was a lot this season. It was, it was a very active uh, pre-free agency and then an active free agency. Uh, what's your grievance from post-free agency or, you know, or trade season? Yeah, a couple things that I'll tie together. Uh, the the first is that obviously Russell Wilson is gone in Seattle. DK is still there. Tyler Lockett is still there. Um, this is this is a waste of two great receivers, right? Like they're going to be tied to Geno Smith and or <laughs> Drew Locke for for this entire season. Apparently, unless they unless it's possible to still relocate one of them, maybe that can happen because we look at Green Bay and Jen, of course, already talked about Aaron Rodgers. Um, Aaron Rodgers, like there are something like 240 vacated re wide receiver targets in Green Bay, um, and they added uh, Christian Watson and Sammy Watkins. Like there, Aaron Rodgers is literally going to be throwing to Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, a couple of rookies, um, and and DK and Tyler Lockett are just sitting over there on the West Coast, uh, stuck with Geno Smith. It's just like, how did nothing happen there? How is how is one of these Seattle receivers not a Green Bay Packer? I, I would I'd love to see Tyler Lockett there in Green Bay catching oh, catching bombs yeah. from Aaron Rodgers. Yep. That would be incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, Jen, post uh, post free agency trade season. So uh, I'm annoyed with the Miami Dolphins running back room continuation of Merck. Right. So <laughs> we go from last year where we have Gaskin, Duke Johnson, Ahmed, and Ma and Malcolm Brown. Fast forward one year to Chase Edmonds, Sony Michelle, Raheem Mostert. Gaskin and Ahmed again. It's like, why can't we just get some kind of clarity in that running back room for fantasy purposes? I mean, as a team, that's great. They have a lot of options, sure, whatever. But, you know, from the fantasy perspective, it's super annoying. It's like, why do we get another year of complete and utter murk in that running back room? So there's my, you know, I just, and I feel like it's none of it 
they're all kind of similar. I mean, you not similar as far as skill set, but you got Edmonds, Michelle, and Mostert. It's like who's, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was kind of excited about Edmonds, and then they signed Mostert, and I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> and then Michelle, like what? what? And then Michelle, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Michelle was good last year. So when he when he was starting, he was pretty good last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't Chris. do us any good for fantasy. I mean, what are we going to do? No. Yeah, you know? it's just Merck. <laughs> yeah, then all avoid them all. <laughs> Chris, how about you? Yeah, I'll go back to the Cardinals. I mean, what what are they doing? Uh, I I get what James Conner did for them last season, uh, but they just wound up extending him. I mean, he was already a 27 year old running back. He's now extended through 2024, if I remember correctly. So he'll be 29 by the time he becomes a free agent again. And this is a guy that he got dinged up last year, and that was part of the reason why the Steelers were just as fine, like letting him you know walk in free agency a couple of years ago, just because. They can't rely on him as much as often as they needed to. And for a team that we, when we were talking about the Cardinals earlier and already strapped for cash, what's the long-term outlook for them? And what's the long-term outlook for their running back room? They haven't really been able to bring in any additional talent behind their running back one. Uh, Eno Benjamin? No. Keontae Ingram? Maybe. I mean, what are the expectations for this offense? And if we already have questions about the wide receiver room, the running backs aren't any greater in terms of what their significance is going to be from a long-term outlook. So I, I just, I've got concerns. It's cool to draft. I'm all in on James Conner for this season. And if you want to take stabs at the other guys, absolutely. But just long-term it's, I would just be, I would be frustrated uh, like having to deal with that franchise, like from uh, like a real life football, football angle, just because you know, how do you deal with trying to build this team into something that you know is going to either one being able to make that push like for for a super, for an actual legit Super Bowl run, or you start you know take that look in the mirror and say hey we just need to start jettisoning some of these players and you know, rebuilding so that we actually have a franchise that can do that like somewhere down the road and I just don't think they've got it right now. So Chris says bet the under on the Cardinals this year. <laughs> They've already got enough tough competition. Well, at least with the Rams. I mean, with Seattle, they'll get at least get over Seattle a couple of times. You should. Know. Yeah, should. Should. Absolutely. should. Uh, but yeah. Uh, you know, another spot I'd love to see Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. How come we couldn't get a more obvious target in Kansas City? In case, instead, we've got Merck. We've got Juju Smith-Schuster and Marcus Valdez-Scantling and McCall Hardman and Sky Moore. None of those guys are guys we can just hang our heads on. Just be like, yep, this is going to replace Ty. I mean, nobody replaces Tyreek Hill, but... This he's going to get the targets. He's going to be the guy. Chris has alluded in the past to the fact that Travis Kelsey is actually the wide receiver one there. But I'd like to get somebody. I you know whether it's Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf or whether they've gone moved up in the draft and taken Garrett Wilson, Drake London, somebody a little more obvious. Instead, we're all going to be taking stabs at these guys and not know which one is going to end up actually being good. Maybe it ends up even being a committee. I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted by Kansas City. Uh, again, another team that consistently tells me they don't care about me. And that's what I care about. I want to know what teams care about me as a fantasy manager. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, uh, post-draft grievances. Let's do our post-draft grievances, and then we will uh, let Andy get on to his busy day. Uh, Andy, after the draft, what are you uh, most uh, upset about? I mean, I, I think it was pretty, I think it was pretty clear on Twitter that, uh, and again, I'm going to return to the bears here. Not listen, the bears weren't in position to draft any of the marquee, like brand name rookie, uh, receivers, right? Like that, that's clear. They didn't have a first round pick. I get it. So they don't end up with Drake London. Um, 
I did not want them to take like a 47 year old kick returner as uh, <laughs> the, the first receiver off the board for this team. But that's what they did. They took Bayless Jones. He is um, he is six months. You know, you're just talking about Kansas City. He's six months younger than Juju Smith Schuster, who is entering his sixth year in the NFL. Um, there's like, it's now, it's now like, uh, I'm preoccupied with like, I, I constantly think of players and I check their age relative <laughs> to Bayless Jones and I'm doing it in other sports now too. Like athletes across <laughs> the landscape, I can't stop doing it. Um, uh, Victor Robles is, uh, younger than Bayless Jones, like whatever he's entering his sixth year in major league. Like I do this all the time. This is like, I'm a professional Bayless. That's Jones like a podcast maybe. Now. Right. It is. It, it. Yes. Oh, my God. I, I'm the only one. I'm the only market for it. And I'm the only person who would actually <laughs> do it. But uh, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm game. I'm in. Um, give me a producer like this. Just this just blows my mind. I just I had my shopping list of guys that I thought Chicago could make a play for. And Sky Moore was on there and various other guys were on there. And we ended up with a guy that I did no work on leading up to the draft is the other thing. Right. Like, I I hope the Bears are right. He's obviously really fast. Um I'm going to root for him, um, but uh, this that astonished me. I, I like the game show. You just put up a picture. You say, younger or older than Vigilus Jones, and that's it. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> that sounds like a game that's on like great. The Price is Right or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jen, what's your uh, post-draft grievance? Well, it's kind of a little selfish just, you know, because because I'm a fan. But um, I'm kind of bummed where Zamir White ended up. I was kind of hoping he would end up in a better spot. I think – that, you know, the Raiders were, I think, seventh last year in pass attempts. Now they have Devontae Adams and a healthy Darren Waller. I just don't see him. You know, I mean, I guess <clears throat> as far as running back rooms go, it's, you know, you got Josh Jacobs, who's hurt and whatever, and you got Drake, who's Drake, right? So I think from that perspective, he's not in the worst place. But I was hoping that he would end up somewhere that he would uh, potentially just get more run in, in his rookie season because I like him and, and I was hoping he ended up somewhere. Um, just with a little more opportunity out of the gate. I do feel like Josh Jacobs is always playing like he's always like a moment away from missing six weeks. Like I know he's been super durable, but he's always hurt, man. It's it's because he limps off the field after every touch, right? Like there's <laughs> there's some guys yeah. like that. And he's been like Josh Jacobs is also this is I was uh, on the the Yahoo podcast earlier talking about him. Um, he's. Man, that that guy his not only last year but also his rookie season. He's way up there on like the missed tackle leaderboard. Like all of the all of the secondary stats always look really good. All the advanced analytics always look really good on Josh Jacobs, but nobody wants to give him credit for it. It's it's wild. I have I have learned that um in in terms of advanced analytics in the NFL, like people only ever want to use them to prove their point on their guy and they don't they don't really want to pay attention to them because people will tell you all day about Javante Williams missed tackles, but nobody wants to talk about Josh Jacobs also being good. Like he's good. Mm -hmm. He's a good player. Um, it's, it does seem meaningful to me that they didn't pick up his fifth year though. Um, which yeah. maybe, you know, if you're, if you're, a uh, if you're thinking long-term was Amir white, like there's some hope. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Jed, I, I can't help but to notice you didn't refer to him as national champions, Amir White. Was that an oversight <laughs> on your part? I figured I'd give it a break for, you know, another 10 minutes. We'll be back next week. Bye. All right. Chris, uh, post-draft post grievance. Uh, I think just my general annoyance with just, I say we, and I say that the royal we, 
uh, when talking about just like our, I guess, our excitement for these wide receivers. What we had with uh, six or seven in the first round, like 10 within the top 50 drafted. And typically we go by like draft capital is the end all be all when it comes to how we're going to value these guys. And if you wind up getting first round draft capital, we'll even start talking about you from a read. Like you have a redraft angle to you because there's the high likelihood that you're going to see the field like in your first, in your rookie season and make a meaningful contribution, not just in real life, but in fantasy. But we have that's seven rookies. I mean, one of these guys is going to bust. At least one of them is going to bust. Whether it's Drake London, Jamison Williams, Garrett, I don't know who it's going to be. But if you look at the wide receiver ADP over on underdog, every single one of the first round wide receivers, that's a top 100 pick, I believe. Or maybe like I think the latest is Jamison Williams. And that's just because he has an injury. So at least we have some common sense applied to these guys. But if there's, I mean, if we're expecting all of these guys to hit, okay, fine. But that's that's never happened before. So how's this like what something's got to give here at, at some point. And that's where I've just been kind of staying away from most of these wide rookie wide receivers at cost, just because given their ADP and the opportunity cost associated with each of them, and just knowing the bust rates associated with rookie wide receivers, it's just tough for me to get on board with some of these guys. I mean, Chris Olave, like going in, I think like the eighth round, I, ah, guys, I, I, Tied yeah, to Jameis are Winston. Sure the are I, throw? Are I, sure? I don't know. I, I just, I can't see it. I, I That's why I'm just, uh, between situation and opportunity cost, it just becomes a harder sell for me to get in on these rookie wide receivers. And I just take the vet that's going about the same ADP. I get it. I get, So what I'm hearing is you think I'm really smart and I should be drafting more of Corey Davis. That's what I think. Yes, okay. exactly. <laughs> yes. No, that, sure no, not, not Corey Davis. No, Braxton Barrios. Oh, what, what? That's who you should be. <laughs> Braxton <doing. Berrios. laughs> Yeah. You're going to be drafting anybody. Barrios, man. All right. Uh, final grievance. Uh, I just want to say uh, I wanted Malik Willis in Seattle. Like it, from the draft, I, I know that uh, he has a lot of holes in his game. We don't know if he's going to pan out. But Seattle, as Andy mentioned, like, not excited about Geno Smith, not excited about True Lock. At least we knew Malik Willis uh, has that dual threat ability and could have been very fantasy relevant. Now we're concerned about everybody in Seattle. Uh, it would have fit so well for them to take him in the third, fourth round, or in the third round, because that's where he went to Tennessee. Uh, now Malik Willis probably sits all year behind Tannehill, probably until they they cut him next year because they have 20 sub on a million reasons to cut Tannehill next year. Uh, and Seattle, we, we, we continue to not, to not be happy about that. So that, that was my draft. I wanted him to land in a good spot. Seattle seems like a perfect spot for him, especially when he slid. So, uh, anyone else want to see one of those quarterbacks go somewhere? Mm, I think yours is the best one to be quite honest. Cause I wanted to see him being able to go to an offense that already had at least established pass catchers that were going to be there at least made, let's say, a functional offensive line, although it's kind of hilarious that the Seahawks wound up using the pick that they traded Russell Wilson for in order to get a pass-blocking offensive lineman with that same <laughs> pick. Uh, so, yeah, there's probably, like, I don't know, there's, there's got to be a conspiracy theorist out there that probably weave that story together. But, uh, yeah, that, that would have been the best-case scenario for him. Either that or maybe Atlanta, because even though Atlanta's offensive line was terrible – with them already taking Drake London and they essentially have like the, you know, the twin towers with like him and Kyle Pitts. Like there's, there's some, there's some good vibes there. And I, you know, if it might not be as fun or maybe even just like their win loss record, they're probably going to like take down maybe three games, but it would have been fun along the way to see Malik get fun. in there for a few games. Yeah. yeah so I, I think it's still be fun with Ritter too. I would have liked to have seen Baker get dealt somewhere during the yeah. draft or something. You know? At least some and conclusion then, to that. Yeah. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Still even hoping for he, that. I mean, even if he goes to Seattle, I don't know. Something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would just generally like to see Carolina have a quarterback. Um, <laughs> I, like, I feel like yeah, there's that too. There's pretty good. Ch- there's a pretty good chance that whoever quarterbacks the Carolina Panthers is not currently on the roster. I guess that may yet happen, but uh, ba- Baker there would have been fun. Jim- Jimmy there would have solved a lot of problems. Um, maybe it still happens. I hope it does. Now let's just yeah, do Cam too. Newton part three. Let's just let's just run it back. Let's let's do it again. That was make really it awkward well for everybody. Yeah, just make it awkward for everybody. Just keep bringing them back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, thank you so much again for joining us, Andy. Uh, listeners, definitely follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Barons, A-N-D-Y-B-E-H-R-E-N-S, as you can see on the screen. Uh, check out all his fantastic work at Yahoo. Andy, one of my favorites out there. Appreciate your time. Any final thoughts or plugs before you go? Uh, no, it's just a pleasure being on. Um, love all you guys. Your work is great. Um, happy to happy to jump on anytime. Appreciate that. Uh, we'll see you for Fantasy Festivus uh, annual episode three <laughs> next year. Uh, thank you, Chris and Jen. Always a pleasure. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Landon. Thanks so much for checking us out. Have a good day. <laughs>